Hey, this is C. Gabriel with Mythic Deviant. Today's episode is sponsored by my friend Lisa at Pesto Greeno. That is super exciting. She makes awesome sustainable pesto. And today we begin the love deities. You've seen them. Every culture has at least one. The Greeks alone have a dozen. They are often, but not always, female because they actually hold feminine energy. They attract us. They also inspire us, they engage us, and they expose us. First up, we'll look at an apple. The king and the queen have a child, and as so often happens, they are warned by the child-hating oracle that this baby will bring them doom. This one, he says, will destroy the entire country through fire. So they ditch the kid. They ask a slave to take the baby into the woods and abandon it, and he does. A mother bear, however, adopts the infant and feeds the boy until the slave returns. Shocked to see the baby is healthy and well, he takes it as a sign that he should take care of the kid, so he does. By the time the boy's a teen, he is incredibly hot. Everyone thinks so, regardless of sexual orientation. Plus, he's both kind and manly. He single-handedly protects the local herdsman from a band of robbers, earning himself the nickname Alexander. They have funny nicknames then. One day, he's hanging out on a mountain, because that's what he likes to do, when he hears godly footsteps. Suddenly, Hermes, the messenger of the gods, not to mention a pretty hot god himself, appears and hands him an apple. Note, if a god ever appears and tries to hand you an apple, do your best to find a respectful way of refusing it. Alexander, however, takes the apple and notices that, in addition to being made of gold, it's inscribed with the words, to the most beautiful He looks at Hermes, feeling a little flattered and wondering how to let him down gently. But Hermes explains, Zeus wants you to select the most lovely of the goddesses for him. He does not explain that this is the apple that was thrown at a lovely young couple's wedding day by Eris, the deity of discord. We've all met that one. Later, the couple's son Achilles will kick some butt, but that's for another day. Anyway, Hermes assures the lad that Zeus will protect him, though he does not add to the best of his abilities. The young man, blushing, looks up at the mind-numbingly beautiful goddesses before him. The first one, a tall, lean woman with a straight back, long, thick, dark hair and piercing eyes, smiles like a snake about to eat a mouse as she steps forward. Hand me that apple, she booms, and you will rule this kingdom. Everyone will bow before you. With great personal control, he manages not to pee on himself as she takes a few steps back, her eyes never... The next goddess of medium build, with cunning in her gray eyes, biceps that could slay a horse, and electric energy that surges just beneath her skin, steps forward and removes her helmet, shaking her lawn blonde locks loose over her shoulders. Choose me, she hisses, and I will make you the wisest and the most clever of all men. People will flock from all corners of the earth to hear your insights. Then she winks at him and cuffs him on the arm, nearly knocking him down, before taking a single pronounced step back as the terror ripples through him. Finally, the third goddess, with delicate features and long lashes, steps forward and puts her soft hand gently on his forearm. He notices that she smells slightly of vanilla and cinnamon as she brushes her lips against his ear and breathes, Pick me, and the most beautiful woman on earth will want you. He feels the warmth of her body and the subtle beat of her heart through her semi-transparent tunic. He doesn't know that they're amplified by the power of her girdle. It is yours, he whispers gently as he hands her the apple, blushing. 
Hera and Athena huddle, vowing to smugly witness his downfall, but Aphrodite repeats her vow to ensure that the most beautiful woman in the world will want him. Then the three depart, leaving Paris sitting alone on a hill. I emphasized in the story that Aphrodite was, in fact, wearing her girdle and being superpower-level attractive, but, in fact, they were each wearing their power. He just liked her power best, which is sort of the point. The love goddess shows us what is true to our hearts, not our egos. Although, unfortunately, our cultures these days are so concentrated on our egos that many of us have completely forgotten that we have hearts. We're in a crisis of meaninglessness. Feelings don't go away when we ignore them, only when we express them honestly without escalation or harm. Paris thinks that he values power and influence. That's why he goes out to protect his fellow herdsmen. In his mind, he is a political warrior, but he isn't really. In his heart, he's a lover, a family man, and his continuing to play the political warrior rather than face and accept his actual values as a lover is exactly what gets untold numbers of people killed in the Trojan War. We don't get to decide who we are at our core, but we do get to decide and must live with the repercussions of how we express who we are. And when we don't express in a conscious way, we are likely to get bitten in an unconscious way. The love deities show us how to find ourselves by losing ourselves in another. This is the dissolution of the ego, and it is dangerous, more dangerous than any warrior. Our culture tells us to be terrified of it, that if we aren't in control, then we aren't worthy. But real control comes from deeply understanding what we're controlling, ourselves. Love deities transform the soul, not through low-level change like the shapeshifter, but through awareness. And that awareness allows us to transform our expression in the world so that we can get, do, and be whatever we want. They call us to step up in terms of both enlightenment and evolution. Love deities reveal us to ourselves, but only when we have the courage to show up and pay attention. They can hurt, as a dissolution of ego always does, but they can also give us the necessary information to avoid much more hurt in the future. When we're in love, what do we learn about ourselves? What values are evident in our judgments about both ourselves and others? How can we acknowledge and honor those values? How can we make ourselves more conscious so that we can support who we are rather than pretending to be who we're not? And on that note, here's a shadow story. In China, Tuer Shen is a god of homosexual relationships. When he's a human, he's a young soldier in the army. He falls madly in love with his commanding officer, a strikingly attractive gentleman with firm and shapely forearms and lovely wisps of gray hair that fall gently from his temples of his otherwise dark head. Enamored past the point of prudency, Tuer Shen follows his love interest to the privy, where he watches him shower through a keyhole. He is busted and beaten to death. However, the righteous shall rise again, and Tuer Shen gets a divine apology with ascension to godhood. He appears in his friend's dreams, explaining the circumstances and requesting continuing worship. Temples are built, stories are told, worshippers are gathered, and Tuer Shen comes to protect all homosexual relationships and wannabe homosexual relationships, if only one asks. The big irony here is that several places that house Tuer Shen temples have outlawed homosexual relationships. I find that very funny. The temples and the locales are symbiotic. And it's kind of great that he gets to become a god. Some people aspire to that. And perhaps it is necessary or is destiny. But the fact remains that he is also beaten to death by his peers. And I'm guessing that was unpleasant. And it happened because he was unaware of himself. 
He did not have the courage to show up and pay attention. He pretended that he wasn't interested, and his shadow reared its dark and diffuse head and got him murdered. I'm guessing it might have been more pleasant for him if he'd acknowledged his feelings and his environment and moved from there. Sure, he may have had his heart broken if he'd confessed his feelings, but he might not have. And if he had, maybe he could have learned from it, learned about his own desires, learned about how to read the desires of others, learned about how to talk to people about his desires. His ascension was actually a consolation prize, where he could have had a real win. I suspect that the other love deities would have covered his divine homosexual duties for him, as they rarely care about physical genitalia. For them, it's all about desire. Which is what we'll tackle next time, with the second part of the love deities. Until then author responsibly.